Good afternoon, I'm Kelvin Thompson from UCF Center for Distributed Learning, and I would like to welcome you to Using Social Media to Enhance Community in Your Classes, part of UCF's Faculty Seminars in Online Teaching. Our intention in each of these 30-minute seminars is to provide a brief treatment of a topic relevant to online teaching while connecting our participants to an array of resources for more detailed follow-up. Today's seminar will be successful in our view if you walk away with at least one new idea that you can put into action in your online teaching. I would like to acknowledge the 15 or so participants on site with us here in our Center for Distributed Learning offices, as well as those participating online via Adobe Connect. Our online participants are in great hands with Dr. Beth Nettles as online moderator and Ed Loiko ensuring technical quality. Those of you who are here physically Please do make sure that you've signed in on paper, on the sign-in sheet on the table, and please note that you've found a few items on the table and some URLs on the whiteboard. Those of you online have digital access to the exact same materials. In the feedback form for today's session, feel free to share any unanswered questions you have or any relevant ideas or resources that would benefit others, and we'll follow up with these after the session. Please join me in welcoming today's speakers, Dr. Stephanie Vai and Danny Siegler. Thank you, everyone. I'm Danny Siegler. Uh, Stephanie Vai will introduce herself here in a minute when she comes up to do her portion of the slides. A couple things we would just like to, to achieve today is we kind of want to give you a working definition of social media, a working definition of uh, what an online community is, uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about the benefits and considerations whenever you decide to implement these tools into your classroom. And then Stephanie is going to come up here and just give you one example of one social media that she's currently using in her classroom. Uh, she's using Twitter and uh, she's going to show you how she's using it. Again, that's just one example of many types of social media that you could use in your classroom. So we'll go ahead and get started today with the definition of what is social media. And social media is information and communication technologies. And what that means um, is probably some of the more familiar ones that you're used to are like Facebook, Twitter, um, but there's, there's wikis, there's blogs, there's virtual reality sites. But what it means is it's a sharing in creating the content. So unlike what we call Web 1.0 tools in which we would have a, for example, I would have a website, I would put information up, you would click that website, you would download the information. There's no back and forth between you and I. We're not you're not helping me create content, you're not doing anything like that. So these are now called Web 2.0 tool tools, and the social media tools and the aspect of it are you and I together. We create the content together. Um, and the very important thing about that is, as Dr. Breyer, Dr. Tom Breyer, who's uh, in the public uh, administration, School of Public Administration here, and I did a paper two years ago that we published, we talked about how having both students and teachers create the content, it empowers students. Because then they are actually going out, they're actually searching information, and they're not being passive participants in your classroom. They're actually being active participants in your classroom. So, they're, what they're doing is they're taking content that's happening in their lives, they're bringing it into the classroom, making it relevant to them, and you're discussing it together. And that's one thing that Stephanie's going to show you today is that importance that she's actually, her students are going out and getting information and bringing it into the classroom. 
they're connecting with actual people in the field. And she's going to demonstrate that today. But that's the empowering part of social media if you actually use it in your classroom. And that's very important because what we want is when students leave the classroom, we want them equipped with the tools that are going to make them successful. And they're not going to have a teacher standing beside them when they get outside of the classroom telling them, this is what you should know, and this is where you should look, and this is where you should go. We want the students to be able to say, OK, hey, I had this. I know, I know who the people are in the field that I need to connect to. I know where the information is that I need to go and get. And if we're really being successful as instructors, we're, we're, we're equipping our students with that. Not saying that they'll always use that, because we know that we can only do so much. But what we're actually doing with this is we are giving them the tools that hopefully will make them successful as they leave UCF. And so armed with that kind of understanding of social, social media, that it's a two-way process in which both of us are, are um, sharing information, and that it's empowering students, we want to look at what is an online community. So if you just think about it, what do we have here at UCF? We have a UCF community. We're all connected as a community via UCF in some way, whether it be football games, whether it be pep rallies, whether it be our classrooms, whether it be anything like that. We have a community here at UCF. Just like that in your neighborhoods, you have a community. Um, there can be political communities. You can have a conservative community. You can have a liberal community. You can have all these different things going on. Well, extending that to an online community, it's just a shared connection amongst everybody. But we're doing it in an online setting. You'll see blogs in which somebody may blog about food. Somebody may like different kinds of baking or anything like that. And so there'll be a shared community of people who want to share recipes, who want to do things like that. And again, as Stephanie will share in a minute, it's she's going to share with you a shared community of people that are in her field, the students that are in there. And she's connecting them with people in the field. So with that, with those kind of two foundational points in this seminar, I'm actually going to now turn it over to Stephanie Vi, who is going to share with you the one social tool, social media tool that she's using. So I teach in the Department of Writing and Rhetoric. And as such, I really want my students to develop uh, that sense of community early on and as easily as they can. So from the very beginning, I'm looking for tools and I'm looking for ways to increase the students' engagement and to increase their sense of community. For me, Twitter has been one of those tools. And so I've been on Twitter for four years. I've been using it in my teaching. Um, I teach a lot of online classes. I teach mixed mode, things like that. And so for those kinds of students, especially in online classes where they're not seeing each other, um, this can be a tool in a way to increase the engagement and uh, make sure that they can actually why Twitter for the classroom? Students can share the resources with each other. Um, the Twitter feed is one of the ways that I can look back and see what people were saying. It's a repository of information. Um, it's quick to set up. It's easy to use. And it's free. And so these are some of the reasons why I think that this is a, a positive, a beneficial tool. Um, one of the other elements is that people oftentimes have questions about privacy. You know, do I want my students to be talking to others outside of the classroom? And one of the benefits, I think, is that you can have it be closed access. You can have your class be within that kind of walled garden or 
as I choose to use it, you can have it be open to the community at large so that students can then respond to people out in the field or they can um, talk to others and they can see that it's publicly visible. So getting started with Twitter, some of the considerations. You and your students are going to have to go ahead and sign up for Twitter. But again, it's quick, it's easy to use. You can just go to twitter.com, sign up, and it'll probably take you about a minute. You'll have to choose a username. So here's one of the places where I'd say choose your username wisely. Even though you can change it later on, this is going to be the way that you're recognized in Twitter. This is how people are going to know you. And so I actually go to professional conferences, and people will say, oh, what's your Twitter handle? And that's a way that people know who I am. And so I'm Digiret, uh, because I do digital rhetoric. And so that's something that's meaningful. Um, people will remember it, hopefully. I've seen people use some variation of their names. I've seen people choose something that's interesting or funny for them. And again, you can choose it, um, and you can change it later. But if you start it from the beginning and you have a really significant username, then you can create that kind of online persona and continue to craft it throughout. So same thing with your students. Tell them to choose usernames that are going to be um, useful, uh, that you'll maybe know who's talking. And then also, they'll have to create a bio of up to 160 characters. And that's another place where you can sort of create the online persona, craft who you are. Um, mine is very short, but it tells a little bit about who I am and what kind of research I do. And then I would suggest get started right away. Write your first tweet as soon as you get into Twitter. One of the reasons is that Twitter thinks that accounts that don't tweet very much could be spam accounts. And so the more you tweet, the more you engage with the system, and the more the system then promotes your tweets and allows them out through the network. So if you go in and you never tweet, chances are, um, once you do finally tweet, Twitter might hold on to your uh, information for a little while. So this is a picture of my Twitter feed and my Twitter account. You can do a little background. You can have a picture of yourself. Again, I'm trying to craft a kind of personal and professional engaging persona. And so I have included my actual image, but you don't have to. You could have a picture of your cat or whatever you like. Um, you can see here some of my tweets. My bio is over there on the left. And you'll very easily see the number of tweets that I've done, my followers, how many people are following me, and how long I've been on Twitter. You can link out to other resources as well. So I've linked to academia.edu, where people can find my, um, my academic work, my papers. So it's, again, a way for me to kind of push myself out there into the community. It's a way that I can have people know who I am. And your students can then do that as well. Like if they're going out on the job market, if they want people to know who they are and become visible, this is a place alongside other tools like LinkedIn that they could use. So followers. It's no good to be on Twitter if you don't have actually anyone listening to your tweets. <laughs> so you have to have some followers. Finding followers on Twitter. Um, your followers are the people who are going to see all of your tweets. And so um, all of my tweets are publicly visible, but when I send them out to my followers, that's going to show up in their Twitter feed. And they don't have to go looking for my tweets. It's just going to be sent directly to them. So it's good to have followers. It's good to follow other people. You'll want to try to find a nice balance. And you'll want to let your students know, too. Don't necessarily follow every single person that follows you, as this cartoon talks about. Because it's very easy to be overwhelmed with so many people in your Twitter feed, especially if they are really chatty. 
So if they tweet a lot and you have suddenly, as you saw, I had like 500 people that I'm following, my Twitter feed gets pretty uh, wordy sometimes. So if you want to filter it out, don't follow everyone who follows you. When you first get those requests, it's like, oh, yes, you asked me to follow you. OK, OK, OK. I've gotten to the point where now I look at their profile and I say, who is this person? Is this someone I want to network with? Is this someone that I want to see their information? And then after a while, if I follow them and they're not giving me good information, I unfollow them. And they don't know that I've unfollowed them. So if I followed Amy and then I decide that I want to unfollow her, nothing gets sent to her. It doesn't say, Stephanie hates you now. <laughs> but I could unfollow her if I decide that her content isn't really you know, being beneficial for me. By the way, privacy settings do affect followers. So if your students go in and they uh, want their Twitter feed to be private, if they want their account to be private, they just need to be aware that every time they send tweets out, only the people who they've accepted as followers are going to see that. Nobody's going to be able to publicly view their tweets. So occasionally, I'll have students go, well, so-and-so, I tweeted to them, and they never responded back. Well, they're not your follower, so they can't see your tweets. So keep that in mind if you do want to do that kind of closed, um, walled-off access. Your students may need to um, be aware of who's their followers. So again, here's um, how to follow. This is what you'd see. It'll give you suggestions of who to follow. This, as you get more people, will kind of populate based on your interests or your needs. I get a lot of people who do educational research, digital media, things like that. Um, my students who follow a lot of like entertainment will suddenly get things like, you want to follow Kanye West. OK, I suppose you do or don't. But you can follow and you can unfollow very easily from this particular location. And you can also look people up as well. So retweeting, once you start getting some content out there, and once you start seeing really interesting content from your followers, you see something that's really useful, and you're like, oh, I want other people to be able to see this as well. I want to start retweeting content. And so a retweet is just basically somebody else has put content out there. It's a tweet that I decide I like, and I want my followers now to see. I retweet it. It's basically like passing along information. So if Stefan tweets something and I say, that's really great information, I like what he has to say, and I want my followers to know it too, I retweet Stefan, and the attribution is kept on there so that everyone will know that he originally said it. I'm just passing it along. I do this a lot when students will like find a call for papers. Because maybe they have a small number of followers, and I have a larger number of followers. The reach will be larger. So retweeting allows you to reach, potentially, a broader audience than if you just tweeted once and hoped that it goes to um, the people that you want seeing it. Direct replies. So sometimes you want to actually uh, target someone. And you want them to get the tweet directed to them. So that's the instance where you can go direct replies. Uh, you use the at symbol and the person's Twitter handle. So if you wanted to direct reply to me, you'd go at Digiret. So in this case, um, here's an example of a new tweet where you would just say, at Digiret, this is how I would direct a reply to you in Twitter. And then the next time I logged into my feed, I would see it. It would come directly to me. So the at sign is just a way of including people and saying, hey, I want you to be part of the conversation. And you get 140 characters in Twitter, and you can put as many at um, direct replies as you want and as you have room, basically. So I'll show you an example of how um, people have included others in the conversation. I realize that this might be a little bit hard to see, so I'll tell you what's going on in this image here. This is one of my Twitter followers, Maha. And this is one of my graduate students, Chris. 
And they're talking back and forth to each other. And I haven't been included yet. But you can see uh, there are at replies to at Chris Friend, at Jessifer, um, at Slam Teacher. All those people are going to see that show up in their feed. I got included down here when he said something like, I finished my disc because at Digiret set deadlines. And so all of a sudden, then I was privy to this conversation. I would have had to go look it up earlier. But by including me with the at sign, then it just shows up in my feed. And I was made aware of that conversation. So it's very helpful to do at replies in that way. Hashtags will be another important part. If you want to use this in your classroom, or if you just want to sort of create the conversation and shape the conversation. So a hashtag starts with the pound sign. And some really common hashtags that have been used this year, Yes All Women, um, at Ferguson, um, Sandusky Trial. So those might have been ones that you're aware of. And the hashtags were used so that people could just very quickly go through and see what are people saying about Ferguson. So if you click through a hashtag or if you search for it on Twitter's page, You'll see everything that people have said. Case doesn't matter. Um, why use them? Because people engage more with tweets with hashtags. If you don't have hashtags, they don't read them. However, you can use too many hashtags. So if you have three or four or five people get annoyed and they stop engaging with your tweets. So these are two of my class hashtags, ENC6428, which is actually the hashtag that if you guys want to talk about this session, you're welcome to use. And then ENC5930. So these are ones that I thought were they were descriptive. They weren't too long. They're easy for students to remember. They won't potentially get confused with another class. Like if you teach 101 or 1101 or something like that, think of how many other 1101s might be out there. So could you put your name in front of it or UCF or something to make it a little bit easier for people to know. But if you use the hashtag, uh, hashtag every time you or your students tweet, then you can pull up that list of what everyone has said. And you can even embed the Twitter widget into your class, which I'll show you in just a moment, so that they can just see it in web courses, which is really, really convenient. They don't have to go out to Twitter. It's just right there. They see a visible conversation that's going on. Again, private tweets aren't going to show up. So consideration for your students who maybe want to be private in that network, we're not necessarily going to see their private tweets as easily. So here's my feed. Um, this is a static version of it. Danny, do you want to go ahead and click over and share the screen? And what Danny's going to do is he's going to show you, here is um, my actual web courses space. And you can see that 44 minutes ago, um, Christine Hanlon tweeted for us. If you refresh it, we should see some more recent tweets, actually. And you can see then how recently people have been tweeting to us. So six minutes ago, um, Chris is talking about my profile header being disappointing. I'm so sorry, Chris. <laughs> um, but six minutes ago, seven minutes ago, we can see that people were talking. Kelvin is magical, and he was able to tweet during our session here, which is great. And so we've got a conversation that's going on. And again, any one of my students can come in here and see this be visible. Um, this is, I've just embedded it as the first part of my web courses. Yep, so it's on my course page. Yep, I can set it up to search me, or I can set it up to search the hashtag. Yep, and you can say how many tweets you want it to show, things like that. So community in the classroom, um, these students were directing responses to each other using that at symbol. 
and they used the class hashtag, and so we were able to see their conversation. And you can tell here that they were responding back and forth to each other. One student said, hey, my kids don't have a digital shadow, but my daughter has one on her gaming handle. And then this other student started responding back to her. And then they actually bled that conversation over into real life, which I thought was very cool. She said, I found out the whole thing yesterday when I brought up your tweet in the car. So they were talking about the tweets in person and then talking about that conversation in Twitter. So that's a possibility that you know students can bring this out to real life. Community beyond the classroom. I have students direct their replies to authors, people that we're reading, and sometimes they respond back. So here's one of our um, readings. Dennis Barron, we were reading his book, A Better Pencil. And he actually said, so cool to read your comments. Thanks, and posted a little picture to the students. And they were like, wow, Dennis Barron, he's a real guy. And he responded to us. So it cements it. I mean, they know in their heads that he's a real person, but this just cements it. He's a real person, and he responded back, and he read their tweets. Very cool. Here's another example. We had some cross-institutional tweeting going on. So students at this particular community college were using a similar app that we were called Take This Lollipop. And as they used Take This Lollipop, she said, when you do that, go ahead and tweet with these hashtags at lolly, or um, sorry, hashtag at lolly. And then she said, students in uh, ENC5930 at UCF might chime in. And so that was very cool, two different institutions talking back and forth to each other. Community beyond the classroom, again, students sometimes reach out or I'll reach out to different authors. So these guys said, I see why tracking tweets is big data, but does somebody actually read all these? And I said, you should chat with this guy who does Twitter analysis. And he chimed in and said, I'm happy to answer any of your questions. And then she did. She had questions for him. And it went on for quite a bit. And I was able to see that this guy, who he had nothing to do with our class, engaged with my students, which I thought was very, very meaningful for them. So some final thoughts. I know this was a ton to take in. Um, and I can talk with you more about using Twitter in different ways. But I teach small classes. So this works very well for me. They're writing classes that we try to build community. This is not to say that Twitter can't be used in larger classes. It can. Uh, but I just wanted to let you know that that's sort of a, a caveat of my class. I do grade their participation in a very holistic way. It's just 10% of their grade at the end. And I, I want them to be engaging and posting meaningful content throughout the class. And so I can talk with you more about that as well. I do ask, because of all those privacy issues, that students use unprotected accounts. Or if they're concerned about their privacy, create a throwaway account or use a pseudonym. So they don't have to use their name, but they have to use an unprotected, not private account, because I want them to be able to see each other's tweets, and I want to be able to see them as well. And then there's a lot to do in Twitter. So start small. Don't uh, feel like you have to do everything all at once. Do a little bit, add more, uh, learn as you go, basically. So I'm going to turn this back over to Danny. And since we're sharing the mic. All right. So. What I just wanted to do is just kind of talk a little bit about benefits, because a lot of faculty ask, well, why should I include you know, uh, social media in the classroom? We have web courses. Doesn't web courses do everything that I already need that this could do? And um, one of the things that Stephanie just brought in right here was that it goes beyond the classroom. So that's one of the considerations you want to make. If you have um, just, if you're just using a discussion within the classroom, all it's doing are students are communicating within the classroom. So it's just doing within the classroom. As she just showed you, with uh, using some kind of social media tool and even embedding it in your course or having a hashtag like she did, your students then can reach beyond the classroom and can have exposure 
to professionals in the field, people who can help them beyond once they graduate from UCF. These are people who may be able to offer them jobs, or at least when they're seeking jobs, say, hey, I heard that over here there's a job opening for something, and, and I already know you, and I'll be happy to be a reference for you. So this is they're building their community outside of classrooms. Some other considerations that you might want to think about, um, as Stephanie said, she's got a small class. So if you have a larger class and you're going to be grading participation on this, that's something you really need to think about. You need to go through and kind of think about, how am I going to do this on a larger scale? Those are considerations that you want to do. Um, one other thing that we hope to have uh, later on this semester, we hope to have in the pedagogical repository, Topper, as we have here, we have a lot of resources for faculty. And one thing we want to get up there are we're going to go out and research some of those different how people are grading these and be able to provide that information for you guys. So you can go on there and you say, OK, I see how somebody's grading this in large classes and small classes. So we hope to have those rubrics for you. And uh, I would just like to uh, finish out with one thought you can go ahead. Um, and just say this, that uh, Kelvin tweeted yesterday, or not did tweet yesterday, shared with us yesterday that as of now, 40% of faculty are using some sort type of social media in their classroom. There was a survey that was just shown. So it's, it's new, but it's not so new. So it is something that's catching on. And so there's a lot of information out there, and there's a lot of people that, can, that we can draw upon to say, here's, here's how you can use it in your classroom. So with that, I just kind of want to summarize what we talked about today. We shared with you a definition of what social media is. Kind of gave you a working definition on that. Kind of shared with you what an online community is. Stephanie actually went through and she showed you exactly how she's using social media, one particular social media in her classroom, how you can create Twitter, how you can create hashtags so students can communicate in your classroom and it can, they can show everything that's going on in those communications. And then we talked a little bit about benefits and considerations when using these tools. And with that, uh, we'll open it up the floor to, to anybody in here or anybody online who may have a question. I, my class, usually my classes are 30 um, whenever I get them because I'm over in public administration. And I read all your books. Problem. I can't get tickets to go to the conference. And Gary responded. I'm on it. And then you know, a student was in touch with Gary's people and got tickets to the conference. That's very cool. Yeah, we just yeah, had, we just yeah, had, yeah, I was going to So we had a student here uh, tell us about how there were students looking for tickets to go to an event, and actually uh, through the through the process of social media were able to connect up with somebody who was able to get them tickets for the event. So that's the power of social media. I have not tried that in my classrooms, but I've used it as a live tweeting thing for conferences. And so I can imagine that you could do something very similar. Like if a student is giving a presentation, you could open up some live tweeting from the other students. 
So we had you had some discussions about appropriate kinds of tweets and so on, but you know, what are your impressions of this as it's happening? I mean, if you think about like the online chat that's going on in here, it's sort of like what you would see in terms of a Twitter feed, only people would be using the hashtag and maybe directing replies. So that's one possible way that I could see. Are there other people who have used large? So there is uh, just a, a quick way to you can uh, find this online. It's a very popular uh, YouTube for the Twitter experiment. Um, Professor Monica Rankin from the University of Texas Dallas uh, had a, there's a video case study of her integrating Twitter in a, a lecture uh, setting in various strategies to employ the benefits. That's a, I, That's was, a, I was just going to share that what Kelvin had said, uh, that, uh, that cool video. But the thing is, is if you're going, going to do something like that, you just need to think of it logistically. Like, like in here, here we have, have, I have somebody, somebody you know, running, running the seminar. We have somebody over here running the online chat and screening those, those the, the texts that are coming in so they can be responded to or she could ask questions. That's something you just want to think is logistically. It can be done. But you may not want to be lecturing and then happen to try to keep up with the different tweets and everything going on. You might want to have somebody monitoring that. Step away from the microphone. Oh, OK. Sorry. I'll step away from the light, too. <laughs> I still, well, I know Stephanie's using a lot of this in her classroom as far as tweet. I've not put a, a, a Twitter feed in my classroom, but I actually do that and in, in just, I, I can start with the online discussions. I start in the very beginning and let them know exactly in my class, on my online expectations and even in face-to-face, -face, you know, I tell them we're having a discussion and exactly lay out what I expect to have in a discussion and what is not tolerated and explain to them that if, if that comes through, of course, we have tools to delete those or at least capture those those tools that they will be referred for discipline if if need be. If it's something very vulgar or very abusive, that can lead to, to possible discipline. But it, you can also say, look, I can take away from your participation grade, you know. So. Be done. Personal email. Be as ridiculous as you can be. That's a good idea. Okay, yeah. so we talk about what's appropriate in a tweet or what's appropriate in an email, and then I say, make it as bad as possible. And they're like, ha ha, this is very fun. And then I tell them, okay, now that we've had this conversation about what you probably should not do, I'm expecting to really not see hateful tweets or tweets that are just like, yeah, you know, those sorts of things. And they generally don't because we've gone through and we've modeled basically what is acceptable, what is not. And like Danny said, it's also in my web courses discussion of these are class participation ideas um, that I want you to go by. One more question and then we'll have to cut off at least the face, at least the online part and then we can finish up with questions in here. Yeah, so I ask my students to engage regularly. So that means at least a couple times a week. They have to engage consistently. So it can't just be week 15, oh, I need to do all of my tweets now. 
So regularly and consistently, they need to do a variety of tweets to me, tweets to outside authors. They need to be doing that community engagement. And they need to be posting at least some tweets that are uh, contributing substantially to the class conversation. So bringing in a conversation from web courses and uh, putting it into Twitter, or bringing us resources. That's one of the best things that I find that my students do. They find videos, they find readings, they link to other authors that they say, hey, everybody else in class, I think you might find this meaningful. And 99% of the time, it's value, um, valuable content. So I do kind of leave it sort of holistically open, but that consistency and that regularity and is it value added, they kind of get the sense of what we're looking for in that. With that, we'll say goodbye to our online audience, and then. Snowball still um, hot here, Ed. Thanks. So let's all thank Danny and Stephanie, please. Uh, a couple of reminders: if you're face to face, you've seen um, a variety of URLs on the the whiteboards. Again, you can use the hashtag that's up there. Uh, if you're in Twitter, you can uh, get today's session page with the, the link at the top there, bit.ly slash online underscore, not one of my best, underscore S-M-C-O-M, social media community. Uh, you, know, you can follow the Twitter feed for the Center for Distributed Learning and all things teaching online at UCF. At, you can go to any of these at twitter.com slash, and whatever comes next, teach online UCF. You can find out all kinds of tips about teaching online here. Digiret, twitter.com slash digiret. DJ Siegler, twitter.com, slash DJ Siegler, and so forth. Those of you online, hopefully you've seen those, those links uh, as well. Do, you should look. There are actually quite a bit of active tweets on that hashtag. If you go to twitter.com and then search for pound sign ENC6428, you will find a lot of stuff. But before you go, please do complete the session feedback form, whether you are face-to-face -face or online. Online folks have access to one. Face-to-face -face folks, you guys have a paper form there. And again, if you have any unanswered questions or ideas you wish to share, please include those in the session feedback form. And uh, again, you, you can get the recording for today's session, the slides, the, the electronic versions of the handouts here, all on that session webpage. You'll also get, if you're a registered participant, you'll get a follow-up email with links to all these things as well. And don't forget to peruse the resources from past seminars on the website as well. You know, I'm amazed. Two, three years later, we're still getting hits every single month. Uh, if you have ideas for future seminars, put those in your feedback form as well. We look at those and discuss those. And that's how Stephanie ended up in today's session. She was at the last seminar, and she said, well, I've got an idea. And here she is. Look at that. So thank you for participating, and have a great day. appreciate 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 appreciate